0: What are you giving up? It was a common refrain in my household growing up around this time of year. The, the practice of giving up something for Lent. And this practice is, is rooted in the custom of, of fasting during the Lenten season, which is, is traditionally a time of self-reflection, of, of penitence, and of, well, Fasting. Lent constitutes the 40 days leading up to Easter Sunday, not including Sundays. In other words, Sundays are not observed as fasting days, or they're not supposed to be observed as fasting days. That wasn't the rule in my house growing up. But what is a fast? What's the purpose? Is it self-denial? And why fast? You know, what what is the purpose of denying oneself of anything to begin with? And does giving up certain behaviors or or foods like chocolate, like I've done before? Does that constitute a fast? Well, our scripture this evening speaks into some of these questions, but, but first a quick word. In the sixth century, the kingdom of Judah was conquered by the Babylonians, and their citizens were taken captive and, and carried off to Babylon, away from their place of living. And about 70 years later, the Persian empire conquered the Babylonians, and they sent these captives back to their land, back to their home, back to the land of Judah with money to rebuild the city and the temple that had been destroyed. And so the passage that we're going to read tonight, it's attributed to the prophet Isaiah, and it was likely written in this time period, in this post-exilic period. It's after the people of Israel have been returned from their exile in Babylon, back to the land of Judah. Now, I often bring up biblical history because a common technique in biblical exposition is to ask, What did the scripture mean to the people then? And then asking the question, What does it mean to us now? There's typically a translational process that's inherent in discovering how a passage like this, written more than 2,000 years ago, and in this case, actually closer to 25 centuries ago, how it might speak to us now. But I think that you will find that this particular passage speaks clearly and loudly, both to the people of its time and to us now with little translational work needed. And so I invite you to open up the Bibles that you've brought with you from home or your pew Bibles or turn in your mobile devices to our Scripture for this evening from the book of Isaiah. In chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Shout out and do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and to not hide yourself from your own kin? Then, then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In our scripture for today, God God says, I don't want your fasting if you're not going to live in ways that make your communities better. Because how you live is what matters to me and not your religious habits. Hear that again. How you live is what matters to me and not your religious habits. If you watch the Super Bowl or or the Grammys this month, you may have noticed, as one person on Twitter tweeted, a commercial for Jesus. And in the coming months, you will likely see more of these commercials. You may notice billboards and other means of marketing for our Lord and Savior. The title of the campaign is He Gets Us. And using modern marketing and advertising strategies, the campaign seeks to refocus people's attention on the figure of Jesus Christ and on his teachings. I wish that that was a part of the sermon and I was doing something really clever by my phone ringing back here. I'm not. It's just an old alarm. He gets us. It seeks to to use modern marketing and advertising strategies, the campaign seeks to refocus, to refocus people's attention on the figure of Jesus Christ and his teachings, on being innocent as children, on putting others first, and seeking to comfort the suffering and forgiving those who've hurt you, on the importance of feeding the hungry that the campaign seeks to do this in opposition to all the ways that Christians, that, that we, have misrepresented Jesus in the past. The ways that we have fought with one another. The ways that we have served our own interests before the interests of our community. The way that, that we have oppressed those who needed us to stand by them the ways that we have failed to feed the hungry, to house the homeless, to clothe the naked, and to satisfy the needs of the afflicted. The campaign seeks to do this because we are, we are in part responsible for the way that people see Jesus. Because God still cares about the way we live. 2,500 years after the scripture was written. The way we do or don't care for people matters. Because we are in part responsible for the way people see Jesus. We are accountable. And campaigns like He Gets Us seek to fix what we've broken. Because if we're honest, we're guilty of getting it wrong a lot. I want us to sit with that for a moment. And I want to ask you, how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel tight in your chest? Do you feel yourself beginning to tune out? Some of you are feeling like maybe coming to church was the wrong decision tonight. What do you feel? Maybe it's indifference. Maybe you don't consider yourself a, a, a Christian, and, and so you say, it, it wasn't me. But my guess is that for at least some of us, this question like this, or conversations like this, they bring on some sense of of guilt or maybe it's shame. And so I'd like to, to consider tonight, wherever you are on this spectrum, is this helpful? Feelings of guilt and shame. As we enter into this Lenten season, a time where we're prompted to consider our own sinfulness, are feelings of guilt and shame helpful? Susan Cross Whitbourne is a professor of psychological and brain sciences at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And she says in a 2014 Wall Street Journal article that, that there are actually five, five types of guilt, and, and only one of them is helpful. The first four are unproductive she says and these include guilt about something you didn't do but wanted to do guilt about something you only think you did and she gives the example of of you wishing that your noisy coworker would be quiet and then she gets sick and has to take time off and you now harbor guilt thinking you had something to do with that you know who you are And there's guilt about not doing enough to help someone else. Family caregivers often experience this. And finally, guilt about being better off than someone else, like survivor's guilt. The studies show that these first four are are not helpful in in being a motivator to to better living or better behavior. The only good or, or helpful form of guilt, she says, is guilt about something that that you did, because it can motivate you to make amends. Now in the same article, professor of psychology at George Mason University, June P. Tangney, says guilt can be a useful emotion if it pushes people to repair the harm they did. But feelings of shame, feelings of shame about oneself seem to motivate people more to want to hide, escape, deny, or a lot of times blame other people. In other words, guilt that motivates is feeling bad about what you've done, but shame is feeling bad about who you are. The purpose of the prophet's words here are not to induce an overwhelming sense of shame or paralyzing guilt, It is not to induce self-mortification, punishment, or self-flagellation. In fact, the prophet is quite clear as to what is required of them and of us. Do good. Go do these things. It's, It's not to feel bad or to feel shame. You see, we are not responsible for making right all of the sins of the past. All of the wrong that has been done in the name of Christianity. In fact, we can't. The instruction the instruction is do better. Do better. Be generous, serve others, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, be honest in your work, do better. This is the kind of fast that God desires and this is necessarily a form of fasting. Hear that again, being generous, serving others, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, being honest in your work, These are all necessarily forms of fasting. It is self-denial in order to say yes to others. A lack of generosity is paying yourself first. A failure to serve others is to say that your time is more important than they are. We indulge our own appetites while others go hungry. But being generous, serving others, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, loving our neighbor is the outpouring of our own resources for the common good. And self-denial is at the root of that. This is fasting. And it is self-denial, but it is not punishment. It's not about self-inflicted pain for the sins of the past. God does not desire that. In fact, we are not responsible for washing away the sins of the past. As Paul reminds us, and yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us to take away our shame, to free us to do better Do you know why Sundays are not included in those 40 days of fasting? Sundays are not included because even in the midst of this season of contemplating our own sinfulness, we still celebrate Christ's resurrection on the first day of every week. Because all we are as Christians is grounded in the grace of provided through Christ's death and resurrection. We are free. And so we serve. And when we do, something transformative happens. Share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked, cover them and, and don't hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted and then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The prophet describes what happens when we live as God desires? He says that when we do, our communities are transformed. And because of what God has done in Jesus Christ, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is not prescriptive. That is, we do not fast, we do not do these things so that God will bless us. But rather, because of what God has already done, it is descriptive. When we serve, we create communities that are blessed. So how does giving up chocolate transform? I don't know. Maybe it does. And and maybe it doesn't. But I know that God's grace transforms us. It frees us from the shame of our sins so that we might deny ourselves and serve others, thus transforming our communities into places of blessing. Friends, let this be our fast this Lenten season. What are you giving up that you might give to someone else? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.